This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to Don't Retire, Graduate, the podcast that teaches you how to advance into retirement rather than retreating. I'm your host and valedictorian, Eric Brotman, and today we have a remarkable guest, an author, and a seasoned both retirement and relationship expert who focuses on assisting people to help build happy, fulfilling lives in the post-career phases of their lives through workshops, seminars, public speaking, and individual coaching. Our guest is Marianne Oser. She's written a book called Your Happiness Portfolio for Retirement. It's not about the money. Uh, and it's all about how to flourish in retirement. So it's right up our alley. So Marianne, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Eric. It's a pleasure to be with you. So I understand that uh, y- you had 40 years of punching a corporate clock and that you've actually retired, quote unquote, twice. Can you tell us a little bit about that and your background and, and how you got to be an author on such an important subject? Well, it's, my, my journey is certainly not a straight line. I worked for United Airlines for almost 20 years when airlines were a very different commodity than they are today. And I um, met and married my former husband there. And we, the, the airline was going through a very difficult time with a hostile takeover by the pilots. And when the pilots won that hostile takeover, both of us were, were offered a golden parachute. So even though I was only 40, I was able to, quote, retire. And my husband, my former husband was... Uh, 18 years older, and so we moved to Florida and, quote, retired. But unfortunately, I didn't know then the things that I know now, and that, quote, retirement did not go very well, and as a result, we ended up contributing to the gray divorce statistic. So I went back to the corporate world, and along the way met the most wonderful man in the world, who is currently my husband of almost 20 years. And when it was time to leave the corporate world again, I did not want to repeat the same mistake that I had made in the past. So I decided I needed to retire to something. And I wanted I decided I wanted to help other people have the kind of wonderful relationship that my husband and I enjoy. And so I studied relationship coaching. And it was a year-long program, so it was certainly not a weekend wonder kind of thing because relationships are complex. And so when I retired at the end of 2011, I started my new business on my 65th birthday. And what I discovered as I was working with couples, and at that time we lived in Naples, Florida, which was a haven for people that either were were retired or were about to retire. And as I was working with couples, I heard the same refrain over and over again, which was, you know, we used to have a great relationship and now all we do is bicker and fight. And the common denominator then was that most of them had just recently retired. And so I said, clearly, this adjustment to retirement is having a profound impact on a lot of people's uh, relationships. So I earned a second certification in, in retirement coaching. And of course, relationships fit neatly under that umbrella because a relationship is an important part of your life in retirement. And so today, I truly enjoy this time of my life more than any other I've ever had, and I've had some great jobs. Um, and so it is my passion to help other people have the same kind of happy, fulfilling life that I'm enjoying. 
I, I love that. Your journey is, you said it wasn't a straight line. Um, and yet, if you could plot all the, the different points, I bet it would look linear if you could, if you could <laughs> graph it, because each step has been a step towards something, as you mentioned, and a, a step up, quite frankly. So that's, that's terrific. Now, you know, you mentioned that you were seeing or hearing that couples were, were having relationship issues. They were bickering. You know, anecdotally, I find that couples fight the most about money and children. And certainly money and retirement and all of that becomes a very big conversation when you have a, a change from a steady income, perhaps, to something that is a little um, more opaque. Do you find that the retirement event, if you will, if we were going to peg a date for that, um, do you think that that triggers the bickering or do you think it's because they're less busy and they're home more together or you know they're not off also having their own lives is it a combination of things or or what is the um if you could put your finger on the magic button what would the button be well great question eric and you actually put your finger on on two of the of the important things uh when i was when i was in naples Money did not seem to come up so much because it was a very, very affluent community. And quite frankly, when the money conversation comes up, I tend to defer to to you and to people like you uh, because I am not an expert in the financial side of things. But the reason that there there are really a couple of reasons for the bickering. The first one is often little, little things that they made assumptions about. So, for example, there was one couple in fact, this is one of the couples where it really became clear to me about the issue about retirement. So they came in and he was talking about all the, you know, that they're bickering and fighting. And she was sitting there with her arms across her chest, you know, and the, the, the more he talked, the harder her jaw got. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she blurted out, why do I always have to do the laundry? And he looked at her in absolute disbelief. He had no idea what she was talking about. And then she went on to say, I'm retired too. And what had happened is, is she had assumed that he was going to have more time. And so he would pitch in and do some of the stuff around the house that she had been doing all those years. And he, on the other hand, assumed she'd been doing it all these years. And so therefore, she's going to continue to do it all these years. And just something as small as doing the laundry became like a pebble in their shoe. And the more they walked, the more it hurt. And, the, and it started to create little arguments and little disagreements and little sort of snide things that they were saying. But they didn't ever realize that it was something as silly as, as um, silly, silly is not the right word, something as simple as having sat down and said, here are the assumptions that I have about how our time together is going to be. And most couples don't have that conversation about assumptions in every every aspect of their life. Another one that they fight about, you said children, is how often are they going to, how much time are they going to spend with their children? If they live in town, how much time are they going to spend? Uh, are they going to become the, 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 the nannies for their grandchildren? How often are they going to travel to them? That's another big issue. Now, so this, there, there are really three things that come up. That's one of them. The second one you also mentioned, which is um, the day that the old baggage shows up, because many relationships arrive at retirement with um, a couple of um, nicks in the armor, if you will. And when you have a very full and, and busy life with your career, even if, if, not, even if, if one of the spouses is not working, still the, 
the, the time together is much more limited. And as a result, things that become that can become problems are overlooked. They, you know, they're swept under the rug, they're shoved over into the corner because they don't have an, as much time together. Well, now come 24 seven, and those old things almost always come bubbling to the surface, which is why one of the reasons I believe that this phenomena of gray divorce is growing, gray divorce being that uh, the, the divorce rate among people over, over 60, I think it's 55 actually, is growing substantially while, while the divorce rate in all other age cohorts is declining. And part of it is when you have more time together, those old issues surface and people sometimes think, okay, there, this transition into retirement is as itself by itself a stressful thing. And so now add the, these relationship issues and they think the problem that they are um, having difficulty adjusting to this new time of life must be the relationship and they end up getting divorced. But I'm here to say that the couples that I have seen um, face that when they take the opportunity to say, okay, let's step back, let's look at this relationship from a new perspective, let's maybe get some, some help in working through what our, what our former relationship issues were so we can work that out. But I have seen couples go from uh, the brink of divorce to being as happy as they were when they were first married and for a long period of time, because when they began to focus on the relationship, it flourished. And the third issue is how much time are we gonna to spend together? When one spouse assumes that they're gonna spend all their time together, and the other spouse has other interests and kind of wants to get out and you know be with their friends, maybe, maybe it's the man golfing or a woman with whatever she's doing with her female friends. And when that isn't agreed upon and that isn't clear, it can create a lot of friction in a relationship. So those are the three things that I say are th things that couples need to be aware of as they're approaching retirement. So when people are in retirement and they're having issues with their relationship, it's important for them to realize that the relationship most probably can be salvaged and the relationship may or may not be part of why they're having trouble adjusting to this new time of their life. So you've, you have three, three hot buttons here. Um, I'd like to unpack them a little bit because um, it, it seems to me that the, the single solution, if there is such a thing to all three, if there was one, it would be communication. And one of the things that, that sort of we preach on a financial level um, and, and even on a non-financial level is that communication is important, not only with your spouse, of course, but also with your kids or with your aging parents or with other family members. Um, retirement doesn't only impact the couple or the individual retiring. It impacts the entire family. If mom and dad are going to pack up and move to Naples, as so many do, um, if, if that's going to happen, that will impact their relationship with their kids or their grandkids, and it'll create some interesting baggage. Or if, if you have two children and they're in different parts of the country and you decide to retire to one of those two parts of the country, you know, you open up this interesting can of worms with family about, well, why are you choosing to go to my, my sister's place or my brother's place instead of, instead of ours? And so um, it seems like communication in advance is really important and setting and managing expectations, almost like you want to do before you get married. You know, there's um, in different in different um, uh, in different marital situations, whether it's pre-cana or other types of things, there's this idea that you spend some time talking and communicating about what you want marriage to be. 
I would submit that retirement is the same kind of process and that you should begin talking about it well in advance. And that goes not only to the how much time do we spend together and what are our what are our hobbies that we share and what are our hobbies or interests that are that are uniquely one of ours. Um, but it, it sure feels to me like there's um, that you can nip this in the bud before it happens rather than getting to that bickering stage just by opening up a conversation about expectations. No. Absolutely, completely agree with you, Eric. And and two thoughts as you were as you were talking. First one was <clears throat> in terms of assumptions. I actually have an exercise, and certainly would be happy to send it to you for any of your viewers that are interested. But it's a it's an exercise that where you we the couple examines um, many many aspects of their life. And the reason that you are so right about the communication and how it's the same as you know when you're preparing to, to get married. That exercise actually was originally developed for people that were preparing to get married because that conversation is so important then. And you are absolutely right; it's equally important when you when you're in retirement. Uh, the the other thing that you said that I'd like to touch on is the issue of all right, you've got children in two different places, and you decide that you're going to move to be near one or both of them, or however many there are. The, I, would, I would suggest that people think long and hard about making a choice like that. I can't tell you how many times I've seen people make the decision that they're going to, and I'm thinking in particular of, of a, a woman, she was a single woman, and she decided she was going to move across country to California to be with her daughter and grandchildren. That sounded good in the beginning. In the beginning, it was terrific until about a year after she was there, her son-in-law got a phenomenal job offer and they moved 2,000 miles away. And there she was in a place where she hadn't, she'd only started to make friends, but now she was there all by herself and didn't have her old support network. And so, you know, it's a conversation that you need to have with your children and think clearly about the fact that they may not still be living there a year after you move there. That's a great point. And, and trying to stay flexible in retirement. You know, we, we joke sometimes on this show about millennials and how they move every two years or change jobs every three years. Um, but that's not a millennial phenomenon. That's a, a, a 2020 phenomenon. Um, and, you know, a lot of retirees make decisions that are largely irrevocable around housing, whether it's reverse mortgage, whether it's um, do they buy or rent, um, all those kinds of things that, that are hard to undo sometimes. And I think flexibility is important. Um, I want to come back to this exercise because, first of all, I would love that. And I will absolutely share it um, and, uh, and share it with the show notes. And, and hopefully some of our, our listeners will enjoy uh, doing that. I, I think that's important. The other thing, you talked about gray divorce, this idea that over 55 divorce is starting to, to uh, increase. Uh, I wonder if 2020 and COVID and having people suddenly working from home and on top of each other in a different way, if that's going to also create some kind of divorce bubble, because I think some couples are really struggling with that. Oh, you're, you're absolutely right, Eric. Now, the, degrace, the, the gray divorce um, syndrome actually started about 15 years ago. And so, but to your point about what's going on with the, with the pandemic right now, that is absolutely challenging so many relationships. And I, I would certainly hope that your listeners would recognize that it's an unusual circumstance and, and take it as an opportunity to, to step back and reflect on what it is that they want their relationship to be like and what kind of changes can they make now to improve their relationship. Because I can guarantee you absolutely every relationship 
can be improved in some way. I don't think there's any question about that. All right, Marianne, let me put you on the spot. Um, and you, you are free to say I refuse to answer that question. Um, uh, but but here's my here's my question for you. Um, you were 65 when you started and became an entrepreneur, essentially, and started your new business. Were you in a position where work was truly optional? Had you hit your financial independence moment where you were working for fun? Or did you have to do something and you had to decide what you were going to do? Are you, are you comfortable sharing that with us? Sure, sure. It was not a financial decision. It was a um, decision for my own lifestyle. I get a great deal of satisfaction out of, out of the work that I'm doing, and I don't actually consider it work. It's, it's more like play. And so for me, it was a matter of an intense desire to help people, which has become, which is really my purpose in life. And it's shifted to helping people have happy and fulfilling lives after, after they leave their careers. And so for me, it was, it was much more the intellectual stimulation because it forces me to continue to learn. It's the it's the social stimulation of the people that I get to meet and, and work with. And it's just, a, it's a, just a fulfilling thing for me to do. And, you know, work in retirement right now almost sounds like an oxymoron. Because, all right, so do I say that I'm retired even though I'm working? Because retirement means so many different things now than it ever used to. And work includes a, a, a component of work. Uh, retirement includes a component of work for over half the people that are either in retirement now or planning on retirement. I think saying when someone asks you what you do and you say, I'm retired, the conversation's over. Um, <laughs> I, I love the fact, I love the fact that you have an answer that is, you know, what are, what are I'm a relationship coach. I'm a, I'm a retirement coach. Um, I, I think all those things are great. I'd like to talk a little bit about your book. Um, and first of all, I have not read your book. I would love a copy and would be glad to send you a copy of Don't Retire, Graduate when it's published this fall, um, if you'd like. I'll even sign it to make it less valuable for you, if you'd like. Um, <laughs> I, I'd, I'd, like to talk about, I'd like to talk about the book and specifically want to ask um, the following. We, we anecdotally believe that there are three things specifically that the happiest retirees have in common. And you've clearly done a significant amount of research on this in a different way than the financial impact. So let me throw these three ideas out at you. I'd be interested at your take on all three of them and also your, uh, whether I'm missing something. So what we tell folks is that the happiest retirees have three things in common. One, they are debt free or at least adverse debt-free, meaning they're financially independent, and if they have debt, it's leverage on a mortgage, but it's comfortable. So they don't have financial worries. Number two, they have taken care of themselves enough that they still have as much of their health as possible, preferably terrific health. And number three, they have a mission. They have a purpose. And you just used the word purpose, which is why that triggered this thought for me. But it sounds like if, if you have your health and you're financially independent, and then you have a reason to get out of bed every morning that stimulates and excites you, and you're making a difference, you've won the quote-unquote retirement game. Am I missing anything? Am I, am I hitting that head-on as far as your you, research You got goes? it head-on, absolutely head-on. And in fact, in my, I, I do a workshop, as I think you mentioned in the beginning. In fact, I'm in the middle of one right now. And one of the things that we talk a lot about is the importance of having that sense of purpose, that sense of a reason for getting up in the morning, an aim, uh, something that, that at the end of the day makes you feel like you, that your life is meaningful and that you matter. Well, one of the experts on, on that is a man named Richard Leiter. And he, he partnered with MetLife to do some research, and I think it was in 2015, I've forgotten right now. 
And the idea was to understand how people defined the good life. And the answer to that is they defined it, as, as Richard says, with three things, money, medicine, and meaning. Money, of course, as you said, debt-free. That means that you have enough money to live your life the way that you would like to. Medicine is a metaphor for health, which is your second point. And meaning is absolutely the, related to purpose because purpose, us having a sense of purpose gives you a sense of, of meaning. So I think you've got to bang on and it's been supported by research. Well, I, I did, like I said, I didn't read your book. I didn't cheat for this assignment. This is this was my brainchild for better or for worse. So tell us about the book itself tell, and, and tell us about the workshops you run um, and maybe how people can, can check them out and, and potentially work with you as well. Great. Well, my, my book, it's called Your Happiness Portfolio for Retirement, and it's not about the money. And it's not about the money part is not to imply that money isn't important because, of course, that was the number one list on a, from research and from what you were saying. Uh, it means that the book wasn't about the money because I don't, that's not my expertise. But, I, you know, your happiness portfolio is just as important as your financial portfolio. And like your financial portfolio, it needs to be something that you plan. It needs to be something that is diversified and balanced. And so what, it, what I, the book is actually the ba based on the process that I developed to help people work through this adjustment to retirement and to build their happiness portfolio. And so it, it literally has the same exercises in it that I use with my with my one-on-one -on -one, uh, private clients. Um, so it, it, it talks about the challenges and pitfalls that are uh, possible for you to fall into so that you can be prepared not to do that. It talks about what the landscape of retirement is all about now because, you know, it certainly is not the, it does not look the way that it did when my parents retired for sure. And then it, it goes through um, each of the eight arenas of your of your non-financial life and talks about things like to work or not to work and, you know, relationship issues. And then in the end, uh, some of the tools that I think are important, and, and one of them is resilience, which is a tool that you can learn, um, happiness and how to, how, to, how to define that for yourself. And so it's, uh, it's really a roadmap. I, I'm very excited about your book, and I'm going to read it. Um, and resilience, interestingly enough, I have a 10-year-old daughter uh, at an all-girls school, and their biggest driver, one of their single biggest tenants, is about resilience, is about helping these young women um, develop into resilient humans. And uh, I, I think that's such an important concept because we are going to get knocked down in 20 different ways and in ways we don't see coming. And it's not... It, it's not important if you get knocked down. It's important if you get up, don't you think? Absolutely, Eric. It's all about how you respond to a situation that that uh, that happens to you. And you know, you you may not be able to change the the situation that happened, but you sure as heck can change how you respond to it. And I must say that the the school your daughter is attending is very insightful in teaching the girls that skill because. As I said, it is a skill. It's not something that you're just born with or so you either have it or you don't have it. It's very much something that can be learned. And there's a really good book called The Resilience Factor. In the first half of it, um, the, the authors talk about resilience and, and the, the issues about it. The second half of it are exercises that you, can, that you can use to increase your own resilience, 
very, very important skill to, for all of us at all ages. So your website, you have a website at retireandbehappy.com, yes? Yes, I do. What are the resources that folks can find at that site? Because I think it's worth checking out. Well, thank you. There are several things. Um, one of them you mentioned, how could they find out more about workshops? Um, there, there's a section in the work, in the, on the website all about workshops. I have a blog. I have, uh, for four years, conducted a, a virtual symposium in which I interviewed 12 experts in some area of retirement. And those interviews are available. Some of them are for purchase, and some of them can be just viewed as, as a resource of the month, if you will. Uh, and there are some free things that you can you can ask for. Um, several of them on the on the website. You just enter your name and, and email address, and I and they will automatically be sent to you. So it is. It's retireandbehappy.com, and there's lots of stuff there. Very good. And the the happiness portfolio. Um, your happiness portfolio, you said there are eight non-financial arenas. Um, when I think portfolio, of course, I'm thinking about investments. Um, what are the eight arenas, at least in brief, so that we can begin thinking, or do people need to buy your book to get that? <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's on my website as well, but I can tell you quick, oh, very good. just quickly. Yeah, do you want me to go through them or just go to the website? Yes, please, please. What are the eight? Just, just sort of list them out so we can, we can grapple with that. Okay, professional, I mentioned that, that a lot of people in, in this stage of our life are choosing to include work. Some are not. It, it's, it's, it's a decision that you need to make. Zero is okay. Zero percent of your time, 100 percent of your time is probably not okay. Anyway, it's, so it's professional. Self-development. How are you going to keep your mind active and supple? Health and aging. How are you, what, 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 what practices, what activities are you going to include in your life consciously to improve your health or maintain your health and to age successfully. Your primary relationship, huge, huge topic. Family and friends, spirituality and religion, leisure, and you know, leisure is definitely part of retirement and some people um, either have too much of it or not enough of it. So it's, an, it's a, an opportunity to figure out how you want leisure to fit into your life and giving back. So those are the eight. Well, I am hoping that all of our listeners will check out retireandbehappy.com. Um, we'll consider your book or a workshop, um, and we'll definitely look to have a balanced portfolio of those areas. That is a, a tremendous, tremendous gift you've given us today, Marianne. Um, any, other, any other closing remarks you'd like to make? I want to make sure we get our extra credit assignment, and why don't we start with that? Um, what is the one thing people can do right now um, either to explore their happiness portfolio or to flourish in retirement, or both. Uh, and, and flourishing retirement is actually one of the bylines of my book. The the answer is this time of, pe of pandemic is challenging for for almost all of us, but it's also an opportunity to sit back and reflect on what you want your life to be like. And it doesn't matter whether you're in retirement or whether you are anywhere along the line. Your happiness portfolio fits in every every stage of your life. So use this time to reflect on what you want your life to be like and where you want to make some changes to make sure that your life um, it looks the way that you really envision it and want it to be. Very good. That is an excellent extra credit assignment. Marianne, thank you for being a guest on our show. I, I've thoroughly enjoyed this. I hope we'll stay in touch. I would like to figure out what my balanced portfolio is going to look like. And, uh, and I know you can help some of our listeners, some of our clients and others. So um, thank you very, very much for being a guest today. 
It's been a pleasure, Eric. Please subscribe to our podcast, post comments and reviews, and consider sending us a question which we might answer in a future episode of Office Hours. For more, go to DontRetireGraduate.com. To learn more about BFG Financial Advisors, visit us on social media or at BFGFA.com. We'll be back next week with another installment of Office Hours and in two weeks with another engaging guest. For now, this is your host, Eric Brotman, reminding you, don't retire, graduate. From this day forward, let us begin visualizing our dreams and building our futures. Today, I implore you, don't retire, graduate. Visit our website at don'tretiregraduate.com to subscribe. And please like us and post comments on social media. Securities offered through Kestra Investment Services, LLC. Kestra IS, member FINRA, SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Kestra Advisory Services, LLC. Kestra AS, an affiliate of Kestra IS. Kestra IS or Kestra AS are not affiliated with Brotman Financial or any other entity discussed. How much do you understand the future of finance? I'm Jim Roos, a top 10 banking influencer and host of the podcast, Banking Transformed, where we dive deeply into the rapidly evolving world of banking and financial technology. Join me as I interview industry experts, thought leaders, and innovators as they unravel the latest banking trends, disruptions, and game-changing technologies reshaping the world of finance. Redefine your understanding of the banking ecosystem. Subscribe now to Banking Transformed, available wherever you get your podcasts and now available on YouTube.